upholding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. We've signed a climate convention on the importance of economic instruments and free markets. We're included in this mammoth uh, Agenda 21 document and the Rio Declaration. Now, let me be clear on one fundamental point. Uh, the United States fully intends to be the world's preeminent leader in protecting the global environment. Coming up, Technocracy News. Welcome, fellow travelers, to Technocracy News and Trends. I'm Patrick Wood, Editor-in-Chief of Technocracy News and Trends, the only website on the Internet that offers a thorough and critique analysis of technocracy. That is an amazing thing, but we're out slugging it out every day in the debate over what is really happening to our world. If you've read and followed Technocracy News and Trends for very long, you know that the clear and present danger is technocracy. Today I'm going to read you an email I received from a subscriber to Technocracy News and Trends. And it offers a sentiment that I think probably many of you share. This lady writes, I've just finished Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order. I'm glad she's reading my books. She says, I have read all of your books, and this one is the most unsettling but also optimistic because of the resources at the end. My son, a former Marine, and I will be going to town meetings in our Connecticut community. My husband and I also own a home in Virginia where we came when the COVID-19 broke out in Southern Connecticut. My husband has health issues and we were concerned. I have not been back to Connecticut since March. My work took me to Eastern Europe for 26 days where I spent time in Romania and Bulgaria. I was able to attend church services in Bucharest, and in Sofia, people are gathering and shopping, and very few are wearing masks. I arrived back in Virginia yesterday. I was surprised to find that the mask-wearing requirements are stricter than when I left. I stopped by my favorite antique store and was met at the door and told I couldn't come in without a mask. Also, no cash was being accepted, and social distancing was seriously being Stressed, I walked out, she said. Where did my country go? I'm able to go to church in Eastern Europe, but not in the United States. I'm scared, but not of COVID. Also, I'd like to know who the winners and losers are going to be if and when the COVID dust settles. Perhaps you could write an article with that information. I'm challenged to do that, by the way. It may not be anytime soon, but I think that would make for a great article. I would ask the question now myself, where did our country go? What's going on? How can we get our country back? I want my country back. I'm really, really sickened to see what's going on across the land. If it was just one state, if it was just one city, it wouldn't be so bad. But things are happening across the country that are not only oppressing the Constitution, but they're oppressing freedom and liberty altogether. 
and we're under attack. Never seen this kind of attack in all the years that I've been working in this arena. Never been anything like this before, ever, especially across the entire country. We're under attack, as I said. The technocrats sit at the top of this attack. We discussed this before. The Marxists and those who want to destroy the country are the useful idiots of these technocrats. It's they who are funding these people to do what they're doing, to destroy civilization and Western civilization in America. So we're facing the greatest existential threat that America has ever faced before. And it's time that Americans across the country stand up and be counted and make their voice heard. I've said this before, and I'll say it again pointedly to you right now. There's no politician in America that's going to save us, our country. Not one. There's no congressman. There's no group of congressmen. There's no caucus in, in the House or in the Senate that's going to save America. There's no president or vice president that's going to save America. There's no governor. There's no state legislature that's going to save America from what's going on today. This is clear. They have done nothing but exacerbate the problems, not solve them. So it's up to us. If we, the people, do not stand up for our country, we know what the fate's going to be because the enemy is very clear that they intend to destroy our nation once and for all. But this side is about technocracy, not about those other things. But we're going to keep talking about technocracy and that alone for now because that really is the most important thing as time goes on here. We need to see this. I'm going to share an article with you that I wrote late last week. It's since received a lot of traction, a lot of, of viewership from all around the world. It, frankly, it surprised me. I didn't think it would be so well received. The title of it is The Miserable Pseudoscience Behind Face Masks, Social Distancing, and Contact Tracing. You might say, what's that got to do with anything? Well, pseudoscience is the domain of technocrats. We've discussed this at length at other times, and it really is. I wrote at the top of this, by the way, just a short note for clarity and accuracy, the section called A Matter of Oxygen has been removed and replaced with a section called Breath is Vital to Light. I'm not going to discuss that in great detail what that is, but I needed to correct a factual error that I had included in my article, and I wanted to do that. I didn't want to, I could have left it stand, I just didn't want to do that. So let's look at this article, and we'll see how it weaves into the concept of technocracy and technocrats. Once upon a time, there was something called science. It included the discovery of truth about nature, the elements, the universe, etc. It was practiced by honest and accountable practitioners called scientists and engineers. They often invented cool new things as a result of their studies, but generally they had no primal urge to use their knowledge to dominate other people, groups, or even entire societies. Then certain other scientists and engineers rose up and made a discovery of their own. If true science was ever so slightly skewed and engineering disciplines were applied to society at large, that they could indeed use their knowledge to dominate and control other people, groups, entire societies, societies, or even, heaven forbid, the entire planet. The first group pursued science. 
The second group pursued pseudoscience. Well, Merriam-Webster defines pseudoscience as, quote, a system of theories, assumptions, and methods erroneously regarded as scientific. The Oxford Dictionary clarifies this by stating, a collection of beliefs or practices mistakenly regarded as based on the scientific method. This is crucial to our discussion here. Pseudoscience quickly emerged as the principal domain of technocrats, but they soon found out that scientific debate with those promoting real science was most inconvenient to their social engineering goals. The solution was simple. Claim that their own pseudoscience was indeed the real science and then refuse debate by excluding all other voices to the contrary. And this is exactly where we find ourselves today on almost every issue that these technocrats bring up. In the context of pseudoscience, this report will examine three primary tools of fighting COVID-19. Face masks, social distancing, and contact tracing. Let's take a look at face masks. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, website plainly states that cloth face masks, and this is a direct quote, will not protect the wearer against airborne transmissible infectious agents due to loose fit and lack of seal or inadequate filtration. But what about surgical masks? Well, OSHA is clear here also that they quote, this is a direct quote, will not protect the wearer against airborne transmissible infectious agents due to loose fit and lack of seal or inadequate filtration. But then right under these statements, the OSHA website furiously backpedals by adding an FAQ section that's frequently asked questions on COVID-19 directly underneath. And you can see the footprint, by the way, of the CDC in this statement because it was added without editing. And it says, OSHA generally recommends that employers encourage workers to wear face coverings at work. Face coverings are intended to prevent the wearers who have coronavirus disease without knowing it. That is, those who are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic from spreading potentially infectious respiratory droplets to others. This is known as source control. Then it goes on, consistent with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommendations, of course, we can see this is who is actually writing this text and having it placed on the OSHA website, for all people to wear cloth face mask coverings when in public and around other people, wearing cloth face coverings, if appropriate for the work environment and job tasks, conserves other types of personal protective equipment, that's called PPE, such as surgical masks uh, for healthcare settings where such equipment is uh, needed the most. So a face mask cannot protect you from getting COVID, but it supposedly is able to keep someone else from getting it from you. You see, OSHA is speaking out of both sides of its mouth here. What it calls source control likely puts the real motive out in the open since you are the source. Even if you're not sick, you are the source. It's about controlling you and only you. True, there is no scientific rationale for anyone but the sick 
and medical workers to, to wear masks. The truly healthy have no business wearing a mask, period. But what about symptomatic carriers? On June 8, 2020, Maria Van Herklove, PhD, who happens to be the head of the World Health Organization's Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit, released a compilation of a number of contact tracing programs from various nations and plainly stated, and listen to this, direct quote, from the data we have, it seems to be very rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. That's a striking statement. This writer hates to think what happened to Dr. Herkov overnight at the hands of her WHO handlers because the next day she also furiously backpedaled and she stated, I used the phrase very rare and I think that that's misunderstanding to state that asymptomatic transmission globally is very rare. I was referring to only a small subset of studies. Well, hmm, it's clear that Dr. Herko's first statement is naively repeated the facts, the clear facts of the matter, that did not follow the WHO's justification for non-infectious people to wear a mask. In fact, the entire mask-wearing narrative hangs on the single pseudoscientific idea that asymptomatic people can spread the virus. And plenty of evidence is coming out that that simply is not the case. But they will not let go of the narrative, unfortunately. So, in a recent study in Technocracy News, the article authored by highly respected neurosurgeon Dr. Russell Blaylock, MD, that was titled, Face Masks Pose Serious Risk to the Healthy, he concluded, this is a quote, there is insufficient evidence that wearing a mask of any kind can have a significant impact in preventing the spread of this virus. And by the way, Dr. Blaylock represents real science, in my opinion. He has no ax to grind, receives no money from Big Pharma or other interests that might skew his vision and I think it's a good article. If you haven't read it, you should. Nevertheless, in the face of clear evidence that the worthiness of face masks for preventing, worthlessness of face masks for preventing disease, states and municipalities are mandating that face masks be worn by all citizens when outside their home. In Phoenix, Arizona right now, that includes even walking on the sidewalk in 112 degree temperature. Large and small companies are forced, being forced to have their employees wear masks. People at large are scared to death to not wear face masks for fear of getting sick or of being mask shamed by others if they take it off. Well, breath is vital to life. Many people believe that face masks lower the percentage of oxygen available for inhaling because you rebreathe much of your exhausted breath. However, a face mask itself does not retain a significant amount of your exhaled breath, since most of it is exhaled through the mask into the open atmosphere. Furthermore, when you inhale, most of the air delivered to your lungs comes from outside the mask. The real problem when breathing through a mask 
is that lungs and chest muscles must exert a lot of extra energy to inhale and exhale. In other words, you must work harder to breathe the same amount of fresh air that you would normally breathe without a mask. For this reason, those who are already have uh, impaired lung functions, minor as they may be, should never ever wear a face mask unless it is for a specific purpose for a very short period of time. The older you are, now listen to this, the older you are, especially those over 70, lung capacity and muscle strength decline rapidly. And everyone knows that to be true. This writer has already encountered several retail store employees forced by their employers to wear a face mask during work hours who exhibit symptoms like headache, shortness of breath, or dizziness. When asked if they relate the symptoms to wearing the mask, every single one has said emphatically, yes, it's the mask. Well, workers with the most physically demanding jobs are the ones most likely to exhibit these kinds of symptoms. Other considerations are age, any pre-existing conditions of the lungs like pleurisy or COPD or chronic bronchitis or a propensity to catch pneumonia and so on, or chest muscles and factors like poor physical condition and obesity. Actually, any debilitating health condition should be a red flag. In other words, those who are prone to get winded without a face mask will immediately be at a disadvantage when they put on a face mask. This is only common sense. The net effect is that the lungs receive less fresh air with vital oxygen, even as the body is put under more stress because of having to wear the mask in the first place. Every employer and government entity that mandates the wearing of face masks should be required to do two things. First, they should carefully consider each employee or citizen as an individual to determine their suitability for wearing a mask. All factors mentioned above should be included. And in any case, no one should be required to wear a mask if, he puts too, if it puts too much stress on their lungs. That also is common sense. Many state level politicians are now mandating that wearing a face mask for all citizens in public places. They have fallen prey to pseudoscience and are now putting entire populations at risk for physical harm that has nothing to do with COVID-19, whatever. Let's look at social distancing. Adding to the fear of contagion, people across the nation are driven to practice social distancing or staying six feet apart at all times. You all have experienced this, I'm sure. This is practiced to excess in almost every commercial establishment with markers taped or painted on the floor and shopping aisles converted into one-way travel only. You've seen them. Yet, two real scientists at the University of Oxford in Britain, Professors Carl Hennigan and Tom Jefferson, wrote in the Telegraph in the UK recently that, quote, the two-meter rule has no basis in science. Their article was titled, There is no scientific evidence to support the disastrous two-meter rule. According to these scientists, and they wrote this article, and this is a direct quote, they said the influential Lancet review 
provided evidence from 172 studies in support of physical distancing of one meter or more. This might sound impressive, but all of the studies were retrospective and suffer from biases that undermine the reliability of their findings. Recall bias arises in research when participants do not remember previous events accurately, and it is a problematic when studies look back in time at how people behaved, including how closely they stood from others. More concerning was that only five of the 172 studies reported specifically on COVID exposure and proximity with infection. These studies included a total of merely 477 patients with just 26 actual cases of infection. In only one study was a specific distance measure reported. Quote, came within six feet of index patient. The results showed no significant distance on contracting COVID. Hennigan and Jefferson further noted then, on further independent inspection of 15 studies included in the review, we found multiple inconsistencies in the data, numeral, uh, numerical mistakes and unsound methods in 13 of them. When assumptions over distance were made, we could not replicate any of them. Well, this is the hallmark of modern pseudoscience. Inconsistencies in the data, numerical mistakes, unsound methods, and inability to replicate results. Pseudoscience. What is the real purpose of social distancing? It certainly is not to curtail contagion. The only other possibility is to curtail economic activity and prevent social cohesion. Humans are social beings after all, and lack of close proximity leads to depression, anxiety, and even other serious health consequences. Many of those are being documented today, by the way, in medical journals. Now let's address contact tracing, the third big tool of fighting COVID-19. Contact tracing is an established practice in modern medicine, and it is. It is useful for the early stages, early stages of serious infectious diseases like Ebola, tuberculosis, sexually transmitted diseases like chlamydia. Every credible expert on contract tracing says that it is effective only up to the point of mass distribution. In other words, during the early stages of a contagion or a slow moving or very serious disease. In the case of COVID-19, the horse has already left the barn. Except to harass people, there is nothing useful that contact tracing can accomplish. Yet, in almost every state in America, is now, it's now implementing a wide-ranging contact tracing program that may ultimately employ an army, believe this or not, of over 300,000 contact tracers, many of whom are going to be associated with military or with the National Guard. The Center for Disease Control website states that, this is a quote, contact tracing will be conducted for close contacts, any individual within six feet of an infected person, for at least 15 minutes, that's the criteria, 
of laboratory confirmed or probable, probable COVID-19 patients. Not actual, but probable. Furthermore, CDC complete definition of close contact is this. Someone who was within six feet of an infected person for at least 15 minutes, starting from two days before illness onset or for asymptomatic patients, two days prior to specimen collection until the time the patient is isolated. Well, if you are exposed to such a person, your personal information will be collected and you will be contacted by the tracer to be instructed to quarantine yourself for up to two weeks. Okay, go home, shut the door, get your friends and neighbors to bring you groceries and don't come out for 14 days. Oh, you have a job? Don't worry about that. You may get fired, you may get laid off, but you will be keeping everybody else safe here. Hmm. They could be someone who just wants to get you in trouble. Now I put the statement here, if you live in Washington state, restaurants are required to record the contact information of every patron. That sense has been struck down. Actually, it never really saw the light of day because there was such a furious rebellion against the thought that all restaurant owners would be required to record the personal information of all of their patrons. That is pretty outrageous thought. I'm sure they're still thinking about it, maybe trying to figure ways to get it done anyway. Now, the CDC's declaration of six feet above takes us back to social distancing, where we just learned above that there is, quote, no effect of distance on contracting COVID in the first place. Thus, we find that contact tracing misses the mark on two main points. First, the virus is too widespread throughout the population to make contact tracing effective. And second, the criteria of six feet for defining a contact is patently bogus. So why are governors, mayors, and health departments ramping up for a nationwide exercise in obtrusive contact tracing? Again, pursuing a path of pseudoscience, the intended outcome is control over people. It really has nothing to do with the virus per se, but that is a convenient excuse to do these types of things. Now here's the conclusion. The American public is being spoon-fed a steady diet of pseudoscience in order to justify the wearing of face masks, social distancing, and contact tracing. Yet the actual science points in the polar opposite direction. Furthermore, those who try to present the real science are shamed, ridiculed, and bullied for having such narrow-minded views, and selfish views too, by the way. Don't you care about other people? Why, shame on you, you selfish person, you. Well, this is a clear sign of technocrats at work. And I'll tell you, I've studied the technocrat mind for a long time, and I can tell you, this is it. Instead, these technocrats are the ones who should be exposed, shamed, and ridiculed for their crackpot use of pseudoscience to con society into doing something altogether different than what society really wants to do. In sum, these dangerous and destructive policies are designed to curtail economic activity, which we already know, 
break down social cohesion and control people. And moreover, they fit the original mission statement of technocracy going back as far as 1938. And here it is, direct quote from the Technocrat magazine. Technocracy is the science of social engineering, the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population. Bingo. That's what technocracy is all about. Social engineering. The scientific operation of the entire social mechanism is gross and crass manipulation, folks, of every person within the system. It's not just our country now. It's all the countries of the world. It is highly doubtful that most state and local leaders understand the lack of real and verified science behind their actions and mandates. Nevertheless, they are implementing policies that are destructive to our economic system, harmful to our personal health, and ruinous to personal liberty. This writer suggests that you print multiple copies of this report and deliver it to every political leader, every commercial establishment, all family and friends, etc., etc. And let me tell you, I grant you permission to download, repost, reprint this article as long as the original credit and direct link back to technocracy.news is given, I have put a updated and formatted PDF version of this story on the website available for download. And you see the red link here, it says download here. If you click that link, you will automatically receive immediately the PDF version of this. It's ready to print, click print, it's a few pages, but click print and print a bunch of them and take them to people and hand it to them so they can't skate away and say, well, I never got to look on the internet, whatever. Hand it to them and say, read this, please. Well, that's the end of my rant for today. I want to tell you again, the clear and present danger to our society is not really just the Marxist revolutionaries that are working to undermine us from within. These technocrats, technocrats have a stranglehold on America, on our entire political system, and they are choking us to death with these policies. They are destroying the other fabric of our society. It's not just about tearing down statues with these people. It's not just about setting up autonomous zones in Seattle or Washington, D.C. or San Francisco or Portland. This is about destroying the entire economic system, the entire system of social cohesion in America and the world, and basically just setting up a system of control where all the people in the country can be controlled by these people, using, of course, their social engineering skills. It may not be plain to you even now, even as we go through this material. I've been studying this for so many years now, I can say it's plain to me. I've recorded all this in my books, Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order, both of those books together, if you read them together, will give you a, just a whole big picture with a lot of detail and a lot of resources and a lot of backup material on what's going on with these people. We need to get rid of them. And as I said at the beginning, there's no politician in America that's going to save us, folks. They're already dominated by these people. And if you don't believe that, just look at President Trump when he's giving an address on COVID. Who's standing behind him with his arms folded, looking down his nose? It's Dr. Anthony Fauci. Fauci is a class A1 technocrat, exactly what we're talking about here. 
This guy flips, flip-flops on issues more than any skilled politician I've ever seen. Well, say, or rat politician, whatever. They all flip-flop from time to time. Fauci's a master at it. He's flip-flopped several times on just about every key issue to COVID-19. These are the people we need to get after. Unfortunately, they're hard to identify in many cases. Secondly, they're unelected. You can't get rid of them that way from the ballot box. And even worse, they are totally unaccountable for their actions. Nobody's been held to account yet for the destruction of the global economic system. There's a lot of people that should, but they haven't. And they never will be at this rate, the rate we're going, because politicians will not pursue the idea that somebody else has played them and taken them for a ride. Not just them. We're the ones that suffer. The politicians don't suffer, actually. We're the ones that take it in the end. We're the ones that have to wear the face mask, even if they wear them. Still, they're in process of creating potentially another health epidemic across America that has nothing to do whatsoever with COVID-19. It just simply has to do with wearing a face mask that people have no business wearing in the first place. Well, I'm Patrick Wood for Tectocracy News and Trends. I hope you got something out of today's message, and I really hope that you will take a trip over to technocracy.news and get on the mailing list if you're not there already. And you will find that uh, if you go to, of course, YouTube, if you're listening to this on YouTube, there's a like button, thumbs up, give it a thumbs up. It helps other people understand. And subscribe to the channel. The more subscribers we have that we can show people, the more other people are likely to come and subscribe as well. If you want to hear this on audio version, you can go to podbean.com or technocracy.studio and just pick up the audio version without having to look at the video and so on. Some people requested that. We can do that now. And also, if you have any mind to support the work at Technocracy News and Trends, I maintain a Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash technocracy. You can leave a donation of any amount there, $2, even $2 a month. It's a wonderful thing. It just is encouraging to me to know that there are actually people out there in the world that are standing with me on this issue that get it and that are willing to lean into it and help me do something about it and to spread the word around. So until next time, I'll say to you all, God bless you. And we will see you in a week with another episode of Technocracy News and Trends. Mm -hmm.